Be Water Podcast. Conversations with and for people who love water. Hi, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Be Water Podcast. Um, I have no idea what it's going to be about, basically, as ever. Um, so I guess it will just be what it is, which is a, a very good starting point for Be Water. So in this podcast, we will be interviewing people that I find interesting and ideally with a watery link to them. So we're going to talk to um, lots of watermen and women who live and work around the water and spend an awful lot of their time in water, uh, surfers and kite surfers and free divers and you name it. Hopefully we'll be tracking down some environmentalists who are doing some really key and amazing work at the moment around pollution and plastics in the ocean and, and topics just like that, which are really at the forefront of our mind nowadays, thankfully. Um, and in this first episode, I've, I've uh, asked to speak to, to a friend of, of mine called Mimi Kuodima. And Mimi is a, a Taoist, a, a yoga teacher, a Qigong teacher. Um, and the idea of speaking to Mimi was that I hope that she can elaborate a little bit on the meaning of water, if you like, within a, the, the tradition of Taoism because Taoism is a, a fascinating this I don't know if you'd call it a religion or philosophy but certainly a school of thought and and they come to use water to explore all sorts of facets of how they say the, the world is for example water is a very good mirror for for the way that the world is and I think you know as we talk to lots of different uh, water people we will find that that they use water to access all sorts of altered states of consciousness. Whether they're aware of that or not is uh, sometimes hard to say. Um, but yeah, hopefully Mimi can throw a little bit of light on that topic and we'll get to the bottom of why water is so fundamentally important to, to all of us, apart from the fact we need it or we die. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Howdy. Howdy doody, Mimi. You all right? Yeah, I'm really good. How have you guys been? Oh, we've been cool, yeah. It's not really any different for us. <laughs> the world has not changed particularly. I know. Uh, yeah, very blessed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just even quieter. Yeah, and also just, I don't know if this is me just paying more attention or if it's actually different, but it feels to me that there's more insects and birds. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, we said yeah. that, yeah. We're the same, like whether we're just being more mindful and aware or whether there are, I don't know, but there's a lot of bees. Our bushes are full of bees. Yeah. And Aaron just got in touch with this guy who makes natural beehives. Okay. And we cool. put one up that is like, they are intended to attract a natural swarm. Like you don't even buy a swarm. You just Oh, oh wow. It, like he's installed them all over the UK and sometimes it, it's really quick and sometimes it takes a few months, but it, a scout yeah. will eventually find it. And then. Oh, how cool. Yeah. So Ooh, we were talking about that the other day. 
I've seen this, although I don't know how good they are, but I know they don't disturb the hives much. There are these new hives called flow hives. Have you seen those? Mm. Uh, they were invented in, in Australia and they've got a tap on the bottom. And, mm. and when you want your honey, you just open the tap and extract a little bit. Um, yeah, some people reckon they're great because you don't disturb the hive. And some people say they're not because the, the materials that they're made out of... Uh, aren't natural at the moment but um, interesting it's interesting to see what people are doing yeah but yeah it's a lot of wildlife definitely which is cool we could use all this this would all be great <laughs> whatever you want dan You're i reckon your baby <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> you got a podcast flow absolutely exactly so i feel um I thought you'd be awesome because I, obviously I know all these people that like literally live in the water and, and make their living out of the water and are in the sea and, and whatever all the time. And they all have these, this connection to the water. Um, and I think sometimes, not that they need to describe that, but it's sort of very hard because it's such an intangible thing for them to explain what it is about the water that has defined their entire life, like, you know, mm. having to live next to it and having to work in it and, and, and so on. So they've written their entire world around water. And I thought you would be an awesome first guest because you might have a slightly different angle on maybe why water's so fundamentally important to all of us being an uber Taoist. <laughs> <laughs> The I know, you know, say that, it, it collapses it, right? Exactly, totally, which is a great thing about it. <laughs> which is why I said early on, you've got to read the Tao Te Ching. Uh, yeah. I was like, yes, you are a Taoist, but then I can't say to you at that point, like by calling you a Taoist, you're not a Taoist. But <laughs> no, totally. I was trying to explain to somebody the other day, and I was like, I did, I wouldn't even know really where to start because. I wouldn't even know what to say. They say, well, is it a religion? Is it a philosophy? I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really think it's either. I'm not sure what it is. It, it just is. Have you got any, any uh, opinion, not opinion, but any view on it, you know? Well, I think it is a religion. Yeah. Uh, religion, the, 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 the word religion gets such a bad rap. Because mm. It suggests kind of structures and hierarchies and power and uh, you know, a very specific form of believing um, and, and seeing the world. Um, but I think it's a, it is a religion because it does see that the, there is some kind of a, an, ontolo or a, 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 an ontological view of how the world came into being, you know, which is the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so even though it points to not knowing and the inability to define the Tao and you know that the Tao is mysterious and formless and yet it is the the generator of all things points to the fact that it is a religion and the problem I mean I don't know if this is of interest to anyone but the problem is that the Chinese throughout the centuries have also ascribed to it more of a philosophical bent and they've said it's more of a philosophy uh, but one, the main book that was translated from the Chinese, original Chinese texts, I forget the name of the guy, but he was a Confucian who, who wrote this original uh, version and commentary of the Tao Te Ching. And 
being more Confucian, there was a slight kind of conflict between the Confucians and Taoists early on. And um, he was much more into kind of like the rituals and the for formality of things as a Confucian. So he wrote this commentary on the Tao Te Ching. His name is Wang something. And that version was the one that the West began to take and translate. And so you, you get this filtered version early on in the West of it being less a religion and more like ritualistic or kind of structured, um, uh, uh, sorry, not less ritualistic, but more kind of structured in terms of like a belief system. Right. Uh, which Confucianism is as well. Ah, that's interesting. So, um, but a lot of scholarship now has really opened that up and, and reevaluated that. And, and to say it's a religion is actually honoring a lot of the roots of the tradition. And, right. um, you know, Lao Tzu, Zhuang Tzu, these early guys, Guan Tzu, which is a, you know, uh, another text, um, they, they, they live with paradox and mystery. They, they, oh, they, they ascribe to the beauty of paradox and mystery. Um, and they also have a deep reverence for whatever it is, that mystery and force that is supporting and, and nourishing all life. And they say, you know, the closest thing to that is water. Yeah. Who would have guessed? Most <laughs> like the Tao is water. Wow. And what are the properties of water then that are, that that are you know so transferable to understanding? Not if you if you can understand the Tao, but you know to. Mm. <clears throat> it's the source and matrix of life, right? Water. We we look at water and and it covers most of our globe. Mm. Uh, but the 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 insight is that water in Chinese five element theories is one of five you know, phases. So wuxing is the Chinese and, and it's an element, but it's more properly understood as a phase. So there's a phase of water that then becomes wood phase, um, that then becomes a fire phase and then an earth phase, a metal phase, and then back into water. And they're, they're fluidly moving in these cycles of creation. So water feeds wood, wood feeds fire, burns fire, right? Fire burns down into ash, ash, um, earth becomes precious metals from the center of the earth or mountains above the earth. Um, water then contains, so is contained by metal, but it's also nourished by metal. So the minerals of metal nourish the water. Uh -huh. And then water feeds wood. So there's this cycle of creation, but there's also the cycle of control or uh, containment. So water will put out fire, right? Fire will soften metal, metal will chop wood, and, okay. and wood will stabilize earth, and earth will dam water. Right. <laughs> oh, so so these connected. five phases really create uh, the balance that is constantly fluidly moving and changing in, in the natural world and in the universe, but is always part of a whole. And it's always differentiated as cycles of yin and yang that move um, from one to the other. And, you know, this is a misconception in the West that often happens because we think of yin and yang as polarities that are in conflict almost. And this is a very linear way of thinking, right? 
where you overcome darkness with light, you overcome the, the bad with positive good, and it's this linear model. But in this model of yin and yang, it's complementary, but it's always uh, part of the whole, and you can't take one out and still assume the system to exist. You can't take two currents of energy, positive and negative, take away the negative, and still assume that electricity will flow, right? Yeah, sure. Both. Um, and so, but, but so this fluid movement and phases, you know, that is kind of a, a watery thing. Um, but water is, all, you know, there's no hierarchy in them. If anything, earth is kind of the center. But water is the place of mystery and it's, it's the, the end of the cycle and also the beginning. Mm. It's the end of falling away and, and, you know, metal is relating to autumn, winter is relating to water. Uh, and so in winter, everything kind of dies off, it slows down, it's quiet. And yet, within winter, there's the seed of summer, right? Yeah. And beneath the earth, everything is absorbing nutrients and readying for spring to come and grow. So it's, all, it's the end of the cycle and also the beginning. Yeah. And so in that sense, it's, it's, it's associated with a lot of qualities we think of when we think of water, like this the river sticks, right? We cross the river sticks as the, mm. the, the movement to Hades and, and, and death. Yeah. But rivers are sources of life, right? Civilizations are built on the banks of rivers. Yeah. And so it has that duality and that, that dual role. Um, it's also water is um, described in the Tao as uh, humble yet powerful, nameless yet shapeless, and ultimately what nurtures and guides all life. Right? It's a source and origin of all things. I'm paraphrasing. The Tao yeah. is much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, the, the Tao, I've read it so many times, and like, you know, I think I got some of it. <laughs> it's an, I guess it's an essence more than memorize it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, an embodiment, right? Um, yeah. Of that sense of, of, of a soft strength, of humility, and power and power in the humility you know it flows i think another line that says it flows to the places people disdain mm. it flows down to the deepest places and, and and it's associated therefore with depth wisdom insight sure you know in chinese medicine and qigong water also relates to the emotion of fear oh, okay I didn't know that. yeah it's connected to the kidney and adrenal complex right and Adrenals produce cortisol, which yeah. is a stress hormone. And yeah. the Chinese were onto this before we had any kind of scientific evidence to pick out cortisol as that, that, that little trouble someone. But it's also helpful, right? We need it. Absolutely. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Do you think there's, um, like, the Western world struggles with some of this? You know, to, to, because it's, because like the Tao and is so, mis talks about the mystery and there's not really a striving to particularly understand that mystery, just to, just to accept that it is a mystery and, and to allow it to unfold mysteriously. Do you, and the concepts like, you know, of water always sinking to the lowest places and being humble and so on. Do you think that's sort of part of the problem where the Western mind maybe struggles with, some of those concepts because they don't really tie in with our conditioned view of how we should 
be basically you know we shouldn't be humble we're told you know and we shouldn't just accept everything's a mystery and just you know we should try and control everything you know is, do you think mm. there's a, a disparity between sort of Chinese thought or you know not thought but mm. you know, just culture for example and, and a more western culture oh yeah I think that you know there are there are tensions in the the narratives we've assumed you know that kind of but it's not it's not really any fault of our own we, we've just kind of inherited these ideas from you know early enlightenment thinkers that uh you know basically we need answers that the rational mind is the uh the key to advancement and but but the the west itself has not always embraced those kind of ideas i mean if you look back at some of the writings of Plato and Aristotle, or you look back at Stoicism, or you look back at um, even Catholicism, you know, it, it looks at the great mystery. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. it points to, you know, I have a friend who's actually converted to Catholicism, oddly, mm. uh, and she's, she and I have been having a lot of really lively discussions, and it's like, no, there's this space for the great mystery. Mm. Mm. Um, and so I don't think it's all incompatible, but I think that we have to reach back a little more into some of our past and look at some of the conditioning that we've grown up with mm, and, sure. and this linear way of thinking that is very mind and head driven. Um, whereas you know, a lot of the, uh, traditions coming out of early Chinese belief, Indian, um, Buddhist belief, you know, it's much more of a balance of kind of heart, mm. heart-mind complex, you know, chitta, shin, mm. um, which is like psychological and cognitive. Right? Yeah. And, and then uh, there's a lot more space in the heart to hold mystery and paradox. Yeah. And mind is like, nope, I like answers and I like conclusions. And I, like, <laughs> you know, I, I like to know what's happening and control, whereas the heart is a lot more capable of kind of, you know, being okay with ambiguity. Yeah. Sure. That's funny because Gemma was uh, brought up as a Catholic and went to a Catholic school. And we were talking about this the other day, you know, uh, about the, the, there is very little difference, really. We were talking about original sin, you know, the concept of original sin and how the sort of, as a, it's very a linear thinking. Yeah. The way it's taught in the Catholic tradition. But when you actually dive into, you know, original sin, it is basically what you were just talking about. It's stepping into you know, the original scene was stepping out of just being and just, just being aware and just mm. in the moment into this tree of knowledge, taking the apple and, you know, falling into thought for the, for the rest of eternity. And, but it's, it's interesting that it, it's sort of the translation of it seems to have lost its fundamental, you know, the, the deeper meaning. It's mm. even people who have been, Catholics for a long, long time don't yeah. really grasp yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah, such. very true. But yeah. but I, I do think, you know, <laughs> patience, we don't have a lot of patience in the modern world. We like things happening much faster. Um, we like um, kind of linear modes of thinking, whereas Taoist beliefs are, are, are non-linear, right? And, uh, very much about kind of seeing the totality and the whole and everything happening within that whole is, is like it or not, a, a, a you know, process of balance and, uh, and recalibration and equal, equalizing when there's imbalance. Mm. 
and you know it's um you know water is one of these qualities and you know you being kind of a man of the water who spends a lot of time in the water um it's humbling right but it's also it it takes a patience and it takes kind of a surrendering to be uh working with the forces of water which can be really strong and mm. shocking and dangerous but but also equally soft and and uh um fluid but you know they say with water it's um in Chinese medicine and qigong it's also one of the elements that that um opens us to that that gradual to, um ability to sustain energy uh and and it's um that patience right tenacity and uh, it takes like the the most jagged stone right and over time water even though it's so soft it polishes to smooth surfaces or you know water carves the grand canyon you know slowly mm. and and so in our society where we're so used to having kind of like quick um you know quick answers and responses and outcomes um it's hard to slow down to the pace of water yeah <laughs> the stillness of water right and in chinese medicine again like water relates to quality that we just all they did was they looked at the natural world and they said what is happening that we see you know what do we observe sure and they saw that water often is when it's balanced and still it's able to reflect everything around it right mm. it's depth um and and that it's but it's also um shapeless formless you know this is this idea that you can't contain it and it but also it forms into whatever you put it into it it molds its way into whatever form yeah um and and that stillness though is hard for the west yeah very it, that's why containment has been such a challenge for a lot of people yes <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i i like uh the first two weeks i was like are people ever going to stop mowing their lawns <laughs> <laughs> even by british standards this is getting ridiculous the lawns must be within like a millimeter of their life <laughs> but uh, you're right is that thing like people get up and they just need stuff to do they're just not very good at just doing what we perceive to be nothing even though it's not nothing you know it's just um, it's interesting and I, i wonder often like with you know Like with my friends who who are in the water a lot and work in the water and so on um it's something there they're tapping into and sometimes they don't quite they don't need to verbalize it or understand it but they do they keep returning don't they to to surfing or or whatever they're doing kayaking or paddleboarding there's this calling back to the water and yeah. oftentimes they'll just sit there on their surfboard for half an hour and then maybe won't even be a wave and they're quite content yeah and it's it seems like it's the only time for a lot of people where whatever is delivered to them that might be like a you know a four foot wave or or a completely flat sea is just okay and i wonder if they you know they they're slipping into this you know the state of 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 taoism or a flow state or whatever you want to call it Yeah, Wu Wei. Yeah. Wu Wei. Because I was going to ask you about Wu Wei. I thought that would be a nice one. And there's something about that spontaneity, isn't it? It's yeah. 
people actually really embrace spontaneity because they, they like to control and know what's going to happen and everything else. So, um, and Wu Wei is really hard to describe again maybe more so to the western mind because it can often seem a bit like apathy or laziness or <laughs> but it yeah maybe you could elaborate on Wu Wei and uh, and it obviously is very watery by nature mm -hmm. but yeah um so Zuran, spontaneity or naturalism and Wu Wei they go very well together um in Chinese, Zuran has many different meanings, but it, and it can be noun, verb, uh, adjective. Um, but it is, zi, zi is self. Zuran is actually um, the self in its most natural form. Right. So when we're spontaneous, like in English, when we look at the words naturalism versus spontaneity, sometimes there's a, a little kind of, mm, they're quite different. But in Chinese, they're the same word. Mm -hmm. And spontaneity is not doing whatever the hell you want. You know, it's not reckless. It's not uh, uh, disregarding the rules, per se, mm -hmm. uh, or disregarding the safety of others or yourself. It's not that kind of um, idea of, of sometimes we you know, think of someone who's very spontaneous or kind of carefree, but yeah. a little bit selfish and yeah. irrational and selfish uh, um, because the, the the Tao is the origin of these teachings Tao De Jing actually means the way of virtue right De is virtue and virtue means many things but it, it's um, primarily it's to be humane and kind and benevolent compassionate is the is is the the compassion is like the bedrock along with humility. Um, back in the day, the, the Confucians that said also, you know, worship your ancestors, take care of your parents, be filial like filially pious, um, observe the rites, you know, and, and they also, but they also believed in the Tao. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Confucius was very much like, do all of this so that you're aligned with the Tao. And then the Taoists were like, yeah, just do all that without the rites and rituals. <laughs> <laughs> and without the formalities of government structure, like, you know, do it in a way that is um, more harmonious with kind of as a, a small scale mode of governance, right? They said no more than 30 or 50 people. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but they, they saw, naturalness um you know as a result of and this is where it goes to Wu Wei you can in, spontaneity and naturalness only arise when you have learned everything that you need to learn and you move beyond dichotomies right? and so what it assumes is that you you know everything and then you can be very natural in the knowing of all possible answers <laughs> and yeah. all possible outcomes of experience, then you naturally flow into the harmony of things because there's no dichotomy anymore. You're right. just being. Okay. Which yeah. is a tall order. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just know it all, and then you can move beyond right and wrong and therefore be spontaneous and natural <laughs> and yourself. For sure. But to be yourself, it's like what Dogen, Zen Master Dogen said, to know, um, 
to, to forget yourself, you have to know yourself. Mm. Mm. So you have yeah. to know yourself naturally, fully. You have to know all the tendencies and conditionings and patterns and all the opportunities and possibilities and, and capabilities of yourself and of the world. And then you're free. Then you move spontaneously and naturally. And that's the perfection that they talk about in Taoism. It's not, not to be like, it's the perfection is of the letting go of the emptiness of then you realize though, when you're, you've dissolved ego and you're in whatever soup mm. matrix, yeah. it's not in isolation mm. because you're, you're at one with everything. Sure. Mm. We'll oh, wait till you get there. <laughs> <laughs> Easy as that. <laughs> there you go. Wu Wei is, um, they, you know, it's often translated as effortless effort or action, non-action, doing, non-doing, which is the paradox in Western minds and Chinese minds as well. You know, they kind mm -hmm. of go, Mm. Um, but it's, you know, the central tenet of, of Taoism is very simple, right? It's to accomplish much with doing very little at all. Yeah. Very watery. Much, much is accomplished without doing much at all, right? Very watery. Yeah. So, but to do very little at all is not to do nothing. And you said sometimes it's conflated with ignorance or laziness or, you know, lack mm. of physical attitudes. And actually it's just doing your work again and again and again and again and again and the repetition of something until it just becomes your you mm -hmm. yeah and it's uh you know getting back on your board again and again and again and again and watching the movement of the wave until mm. you become the wave and then you 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 harmonize with it you know, or in Tai Chi, which we're both learning now, right? Or again, yeah. Again. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, this, you know, brush me again and again and again and again. Yeah. And, and then over time, it's like, okay, I'm stopping the thinking, but through the repetition, my cells of the body are learning and they know. And then I'm, I eventually, it's just like, okay, I'm in the flow of it. And, yeah. I'm, and, and it's harmonious. And my body is working in harmony with things with very little effort. But if I continued, if I, if I did my repetitions with effort and strife and um, ambition, mm. then it would collapse the potential harmoni harmonization and fluidity of it all. Sure. It's so nice. it's using just the right amount of effort and not more. Not the middle way. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I quite I quite like Alan Watts. Didn't he say he 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 went through all the different translations you could you know he he said it was uh or he thought it was best described as not forcing. Yeah, I thought that's quite nice as well. Yeah. That works Antith quite well. Just... Antithesis of strife and struggle. I don't yeah, know that, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, but again, it's a really hard thing, isn't it, for uh, for us because we're just conditioned from birth to to need to know and to control to so on but that's just that's part of the journey i guess if you didn't have to go through that journey then it would make no sense anyway yeah, yeah. you would you would already be <laughs> perfectly so, yeah and that's what water and balance is about being relaxed free and focused yeah all at the same time sure
still and inwardly listening. Like the um, stillness and silence are really central to kind of understanding water qualities in, in, in the Chinese kind of, you know, cultural context. Mm -hmm. uh, fear, right? Stillness and silence. Often people associate being still and silent with the fear. Like, ah, um, uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. And, but then they actually experience like true stillness and silence and the fear dissolves yeah. because, because you hear differently because so another, uh, and I love studying the Chinese etymologies and, and characters, but the, the character for to listen, uh -huh. um, it has the radical for the ear right. combined with the radical for virtue, which, uh, which has the radicals for the heart. Yeah the eye and undivided attention. So uh, when, yeah, when we're listening, we're listening not just from the actual organ of the ear, but we're listening with our most virtuous aspect of ourselves from the heart. Right. Seeing with our eyes, paying attention with our undivided attention. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah. And, and I think, you know, maybe it's the same, for, you know, for you and water, you know, when I'm doing, my movement practices or my meditation and I get very inwardly still um, somehow like all the typical worries about whatever will I get here on time will I have enough what what will happen to my mother when she's older you know just mm. these things like they, they, they sort of um, they, they're, they're ameliorated by the, the stillness and the silence and they, they can um, like the the fear loses the grip on my heart and my mind right? and it just somehow sure. makes me remember that like living more fully is releasing the fears and awakening more to being in my potential to feel alive and free and like water right? relaxed free and focused but this this requires like a sense of wisdom right and that's that stillness quality that when we listen you know, when we're still, and these are all water yeah, attributes, yeah. When, when we're kind of come back into ourselves and we're uh, less driven by adrenaline and ego, and, you know, we can really feel like that calm, steady place open up. Um, and then it helps us see kind of maybe our source of unease and distress and move past these kind of tendencies to struggle, right? Wu Wei's antithesis of strife and struggle and we can meet whatever's happening with more insight and understanding. But, you know, those moments are rare and few and far between. So <laughs> but they're there, right? They're like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just have to let them be there. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to take up your whole day, as I know you've been teaching all morning. But uh, I feel it'd be nice to just hear because I know like the, one of the, the, the most exciting things for you was uh, a couple of years ago. It must have been a couple of years now, no? when you found your new home in the countryside. And uh, I know you've been building a pond. I think you might just tell I us. Built it. We built it. You built it. You've built a pond. So, uh, yeah. And you're, you're not far from the river now? No. So basically, we lived in London for almost nine years and then... Uh, we started looking for a place outside of London, and Aaron, my husband, his caveat was, must be down a dirt road. And we both wanted it close enough to London so we could commute in mm. uh, a couple times a week if we needed to. 
my caveat was it needed to be near water. <laughs> so the ocean was a little too far away. We and the train lines weren't as good, and we didn't want to go like towards um, uh, east because mm. we back then we were using Heathrow Airport quite a lot, and we thought mm, might be too far. So I started looking on maps and right move and stuff like that, and uh, you know basically I started following lakes and rivers, uh-huh. and I based my search on lakes and rivers. And this property that we're in now came up because it was at the end of um, like at the end of a river line. Right. And I was like, oh, or near a river line, a blue line. And then it happened. We looked at the pictures and it's down a dirt road. We're like, oh! and it's <laughs> a, you know an hour and a half away from London. So it's great. Awesome. Um, so it's near the river, um, the Evenlode River, which is a tributary of the Thames. Three wa- a three minute walk down from our house down a dirt road that's a bridal way. And it, there's this beautiful bridge that crosses over part of the river. Um, I've swam in the river in the summers. It's a natural swimming pond, like area. People, people do go in, you know, yeah. rarely. I've seen dogs go in much more than people. Yeah. Horses too. Um, but we swim in it. Um, Aaron wants to kayak on it. Um, we haven't done that yet. But it just is like I walk down there every day and I just sit by the river and I just like hearing the sound of the river. It just makes my like whole life come come into perspective. And, you know, it's like hearing water and, and touching that. It kind of connects me to that matrix and source of life. Right. Um, and then uh, and then we 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 wanted to create kind of a small holding. So pond is really essential for that. And it attracts all the birds and then the insects and the you know the slugs will get eaten by newts if we got them. And we built it last summer, kind of like watching it all summer, like any newts, any newts. <laughs> no, it's just a lot of pond moss. <laughs> um, but nature is nature, and it's cool. And now this year, I'm looking at it, and the moss is gone. We have newts. We've seen them swimming around. Cool. I found it. We had ducks in it the other day. Oh wow. Um, but Aaron like rented a digger and then he dug it up and both of us like pulled out the kind of rubber tarp and put it in and then built up the stones around it and then filled it with water and oh, put up cool. logs around it. So it kind of looks now kind of boggy, yeah, which is great. And I practice in front of that every day because we built like a little deck in front of this little summer house that was here when we bought the house. Um, and so now that that little place, we call it the Zen Den or um, Inshallah Allah. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the view is right out onto the, the deck and then the pond. Um, and it just is amazing to, you know, to have water on our property. Yeah, it is. It's very, very fortunate and really very, very calming, very grounding. It's, yeah, uh, even in Beijing, like, I, um, you know, we rented this house in the mountain outside of Beijing, and when we found it, friend and I, um, it was called, uh, we found out it was called Sam Cha, which means three crossings, but the crossings referred to three valleys and springs that intersected, uh, and we, when we went there, we, you know, we saw it, we had to cross these bridges, but I remember walking around the bend of a, of a, of a mountain, because it's really high up in the mountains, walking on the bend and it was spring and like suddenly like I looked out and all the apricot trees were in bloom 
and there is this brook, this mountain brook, just like, like making its way down. The sound was so beautiful. And this just like melted my city, overstressed city, you know, urban Beijing kind of being, right? And it just, yeah. I think it just was like, uh, it, was, it was the water. It was the water that drew me there. And yeah. Just living close to water is so important. Yeah, I think people now, I see a lot of people saying, I wish I could get to the beach. Because obviously, if you're listening after this is all finished, maybe 20 years from now, <laughs> we're all in confinement <laughs> <laughs> due to this really weird virus. But, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people are, are ruining how, um, I just, just interestingly, I just saw, you know, a few people saying, I wish I hadn't built my life around work and where I live around my work. I wish I'd built it around the beach. <laughs> you know, it's sort of when you can't access water and, you know, beach, ponds, sea, uh, rivers, you suddenly realise how much you you yearn to be near them. It's, it's an interesting thing. But it's definitely, a, yeah, a, a, some sort of deeper craving to be near water for most people, isn't there? Mm. or at least to see it to be able to see it but um, yeah. I don't know if it reminds us like I see it we've got a river at the bottom of our garden I sit and uh, well it's called a river <laughs> I'd call it a stream <laughs> in winter it's really deep and quite powerful but at the moment it's like an inch deep oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but quite beautiful but yeah you sit and look at water and listen to it don't you and you see the the fact that everything is so impermanent in it you can never actually connect with the sound of water because it's changing from millisecond to millisecond you can lose yourself completely in that uh, and then you try and watch it and you can't you can't have a freeze frame of what that stream is because from well not even a millisecond is it you know it's constantly in flux and mm. I think there's something that speaks to us on a deeper level about the, the you know just the transience of everything because we can sort of see it and hear it in water so clearly whereas it's, it's an odd concept to pin down isn't it you know for most people transience as a as a sort of buddhist concept for example something mm. that people really struggle with um and emptiness i suppose you see that in a, in a river you know what is what mm. is the river how do you define the river what part of that river makes up the river and it's uh it's uh yeah, something about water. So wise. It was Heraclitus who first said it, you know, can't step into the same river twice. And then Pocahontas. Really? Oh, <laughs> the Disney one or the real one? No, the Disney one. <laughs> oh, right. I have to watch that again tonight for my spiritual growth. <laughs> I think we've just, we've just uh, curbed Netflix for a month and we've gone to the Disney channel. So like we're, we're binging on all the old Disney films of the evening. <laughs> yeah. Han just got it right from her. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, oh, thanks so much for your time, Mimi. It's been a total yeah. pleasure to talk and I hope that, yeah, I hope more than anything, I find that there's so little actually when you look around podcasts, unless I'm looking in the wrong place, but there just isn't, doesn't seem to be much, certainly not in English anyway, on just general discussions around like Taoism and Wu Ways. I find it hard to, whereas you can find podcasts talking about millions of things, you know, um, it doesn't seem a huge amount on that, unless, unless you, you probably know some, maybe. 
No. I haven't come across them. There, there is one podcast who they, they interviewed someone who wrote a book about Wu Wei. I'll send you a link. Okay, well that'd be lovely. I'll put that yeah. in the page notes. But um, the, Mimi, you can find her all at, online, <laughs> as everyone else. Uh, I'm going to just put this in now because I, I believe this is what you do in a podcast. You be professional at the end, and uh, <laughs> and uh, on MK Dima. D E E M E R dot com. And she does have some great stuff on YouTube. And uh, like some of the videos are hilarious, especially where she's practicing. I guess you're in China at the time. Yeah. And then you get really curious bystanders <laughs> walking past and just staring <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> and like I get into the practice and then I just end up creased up in laughter at these people. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to lose my shit. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, just a, a wry smile creeps across her face as she realizes she's being watched by the guy that sweeps the floor. And uh, so, uh, yeah, on YouTube, it's uh, YouTube.com/slash Mimi Kuo K U O Dima, and I'll put those all on the page as well. Um, and she's written some awesome new books and everything. You're just you're out there. You had a busy period, didn't you? I did have a busy period. Great. Just, um, it all builds up. You know, it, it was like, they, uh, yeah, I felt busy. And then um, Aaron was like, yeah, but it's like the water is moving fast and you're just moving with it. And sure. it's just a time. And now I feel it's a lot less busy. Yeah. But you and purged it all out. You had to get all that done. down. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't do two books in a year again, but like, <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> Okay. Who knows? It was actually, to... yeah, being in the flow of it, though, was amazing because I was writing about all this stuff. And um, and every day I just, I, I was super disciplined, but I, I got up, did my practices, ate my breakfast, wrote from like 9 to 12, t took a break, or 9 to 11, took a break, wrote again from like then to 1, ate my lunch, took a nap, did some gardening, went back in, wrote again finished, go for a walk, come back, play some piano, mm. have a little food, go to bed. Right? It. And it was like, I did this for 10 weeks and I stopped teaching for the most part. Yeah. And, I, and Aaron was laughing. He's like, you're healthier now than you have been <laughs> like, teaching a full load of classes. Sure. Um, and I really enjoyed it, like the focus of it and just, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, no, that's it true. is done. You're right. And yeah, great to see you as always. Likewise. Hopefully I'll see you in, in person one day again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're allowed to leave our houses. But uh, yeah, it's been awesome chatting. Thank you so yeah. much. Amy. I hope it will put a lot of all the other discussions that I have in context in some way. Uh, cool. Yeah, I hope it's helpful. Yeah, well, it's all helpful, I'm sure. Sure. Mm. Uh, thank you. So that winds up the first episode of our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's so great to just chat with uh, friends of mine and get them to reveal all of their wisdom. Um, you can find the links to Mimi's website and her videos in the uh, podcast notes. And in the next episode, I'll be talking to another friend of mine, Nick Thorne, who was three times European Ironman champion um, and has done some really fascinating things for charity and in his sporting life. Uh, again, someone else who lives very much in the water every day. 
um, and there are some really hilarious and uh, and great stories that, that Nick reveals from his life. So looking forward to that one. Do like this post because um, apparently it helps other people to find it and uh, look forward to seeing you in the next one. Okay, bye. Conversations with and for people who love water.